your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Could a healthy VGK team have competed with teams from the Western Conference? That's our topic today. More coming up in a moment. I'm Tony Cardasco along with Chris Golick, and welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. And I am at Tony Dasco on Twitter. He is at TD Chris G. And you could find us on a more regular basis at Locked On VGK on YouTube, our new YouTube channel. Check that out. Uh, We have had some technical issues this week, but we will be back next week, hopefully. And of course, at Locked On VGK on Twitter. And Chris, you know, watching the playoffs, I'm still not certain that even with a healthy squad, that VGK could have contended with the teams that remain in the Western Conference, whether they are healthy or not. You know, and for me, VGK doesn't play as fast from what we've seen. They're not as cohesive. Well, we're talking about the past season and uh, nor were they a team that was aggressive, a very, very tentative team indeed. And uh, the first two teams, my Oilers and Colorado. And of course, we've got the other St. Louis. I still think Colorado comes out, but I think that uh, their experience also with those three teams, I, I really do believe is just too much. And I don't know that VGK could have handled it in the playoffs. What are your thoughts? So BGK most likely would have had Colorado in the first round uh, if they would have had a little better um, outcome, if you will, in the regular season. Maybe they advance the spot and they go up against Calgary, as you always like to put it. I don't see VGK. Let's talk about VGK's healthiest moment of the season, their healthiest 40 minutes of the season which was against the San Jose Sharks down the stretch. And then, you know, Colasar goes down and the Lions get messed up again. That was our healthiest moment that we had. And even at that moment, we had Mark Stone on maybe a 65, 60% of his peak health level. So Stone, not at his best. I think we maybe get Riley Smith back for the first round early on. So that would have been a big help. Could they have kept up with Nathan McKinnon in that round? And, you know, the, the, the tear that Kadri is on and Kale McCarr and everything. I don't know. I'm, Darcy Kemper would, is their weakness in Colorado in the, in the nets. We have our issues in the net as well, whether it would have been Logan Thompson or someone else going into the playoffs Maybe the goaltending is a wash. Maybe we get a slight uptick if things work out in our fortune, but VGK is not competing against Colorado. Let's not kid ourselves. Calgary is scoring goals. You know, I mean, look at all the scoring in the series against Edmonton. Look at their first round. VGK would have had to win a lot of 5-4-6-5 type games with a roster that was limited in the sense with Mark Stone uncertainty about what Riley Smith would have been winning game six to five in the playoffs, which is what Edmonton's success is right now. That's a tough way to compete in the NHL Stanley cup playoffs. 
I don't think we would have competed against any of our first round opponents. It might have been a 4-1 type uh, gentleman sweep, if you will, maybe even get swept out of the first round. And then VGK fans are in the same spot they would have been anyway, which was on the golf course not long after the season, the regular season ended. He's Chris Golick, and he's in Las Vegas today, and I'm Tony Cardasco in Brooklyn, New York. And you know one thing about the weather here, Memorial Day weekend, every year it just stunk. And that's what I can attribute to my drunkenness in the early stages of my life because <laughs> we went to bars instead of to the beach <laughs> because it's overcast again on Memorial Day weekend back here, Chris. And, uh, you know, yeah, you have to score some goals to win games, and traditionally – you know, we've seen the Golden Knights struggle in the playoffs, not be able to score, be it under Gallant, of course, or DeBoer of late. And, uh, you know, that's the one area that they needed to improve in is just to be able to, I have to agree with you, to be able to score goals in the playoffs. And uh, just the pacing has been so much faster in the West. And I just don't know that VGK had that sort of pacing or tempo uh, this past season. I was just, you know, thinking back, uh, during the season, remember when VGK played against Colorado and they picked up that hot mic there and uh, we heard someone on the Golden Knights with the chirp um, that they chirped out the avalanche and they said, get out of the second round. Why don't you? Oh. And, <laughs> and that one, <laughs> I don't think that lived very well, uh, you know, if this were uh, on Twitter, but we'll have to see if they can get out of the second round. But yeah, talk about the pacing, talk about the speed of the game, and even with a healthy lineup, if VGK could have contended, competed, uh, you know, you said that they wouldn't make it out of the first round. I do agree with you there, but I just think, and then in the future, uh, VGK is going to have to, we talked about this yesterday, they have to speed up the game. They have to play a lot faster. There's so many things that can lead to playoff success. And it's special teams on both sides. I think all the, I think the first three goals, if I'm not mistaken, in the Rangers Hurricanes game were all special teams, whether it was power play or scoring on or a penalty kill, uh, a shorthanded goal. So you have to be successful on special teams. You have to be extremely fast. And the defense has to be buttoned up. And I hate to keep going back to comparing Gallant to DeBoer, Gallant to DeBoer, but Gallant's VGK was fast. They forechecked. They muddied up the neutral zone. They disturbed the other team's tempo and timing, trying to get a clean breakout. On the opposite side, VGK was very strong and very clean, starting with that first pass from behind our goal line, to start a successful breakout. And VGK was able to get down the ice extremely fast, more times than not creating either a high danger chance, getting an odd man rush and things like that. Going to DeBoer's Golden Knights, even the carryover team in season 2.5, if you will, when Gallant was let go and DeBoer came in, you immediately saw the lack of scoring in the high pressure situations in the bubble playoffs going back to that uh, series against Vancouver, which was the beginning of the end. We didn't know that at the time. We know it now, obviously, but that was the beginning of the end for Pete DeBoer. So lack of execution on 
special teams versus what you're watching right now. You can pick any of the remaining um, four series, if you will, right now, and look at just how creative the teams are. The high danger chances they create out of absolutely nothing. Um, look at Connor McDavid's uh, game-winning goal last night. A simple chip in by Dreisaitl. All McDavid does, he gets in there, does a stick lift, creates the turnover. Puck is on Dreisaitl's stick. He sees McDavid, uh, who has just you know a split second to get a quick release. Game over. Edmonton's on to round number three. Opportunistic scoring chances. That's something that VGK just hasn't really done a lot of. Definitely didn't do a lot of this year. And, you know, just lack of creativity, lack of execution, poor special teams. That's not going to get you anywhere. And that's uh, VGK down the stretch for you, if you will. Yeah. And uh, the one thing that I've uh, definitely noticed is the decisiveness on the part of players that have made it this far, this deep into that's the playoffs. A great word. Yeah, because this is a great word, right? There. Yeah, they just they know what they're going to do with the puck when it arrives. And we never saw that. We never saw VGK get synchronized uh, offensively this past season. Never were in sync at a top or high level. Coming up next, a couple of goals that were disallowed. We'll talk about that in the playoffs when we resume right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Our next partner has a product that I literally use every day. And remember that I've talked a lot about Athletic Greens. What it has uh, done for me is it's given me more energies, uh, more energy, I should say, better gut health. It's optimized my immune system, things like that. And now I've been on it for about eight weeks, and I absolutely love it. It doesn't really taste like it's super healthy. It has a kind of a mild and tropical taste, and I actually look forward to taking it each and every morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to get you started the right way each and every day. And, uh, you know, do I send this to my family and friends? Yes, they absolutely love it as well. I take Athletic Greens with me sometimes when I travel, and I've been traveling a lot lately, as we know on this show. And you really need to check it out. And it really does not cost a ton of money. It'll cost you less than $3 a day. And you're investing in your health. And it also is cheaper than your cold brew habit each and every day. Cheaper than getting all the different supplements by yourself. And you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. That's the way we like to say it. But it greens over 7,000 five-star reviews. Recommended by professional athletes everywhere and trusted by leading health experts. So you need to check it out. In uh, 2020, Athletic Greens also donated over 1.2 million meals to kids and uh, definitely worth noting about Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Take ownership over your own health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens, don't miss it. Check them out at athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. 
And definitely thank you for making us your first listen each and every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Tony Cardasco on the East Coast today, Chris Golick in the West. And uh, Chris, a couple of disallowed goals last night, but perhaps none bigger than the goal scored by Blake Coleman of Calgary. <laughs> I'm going to miss saying Calgary every day. Uh, but Blake Coleman uh, with the puck that they said initially was a goal. Uh, they came back after the review and they said that he kicked the puck into the net. And I agreed with this call. I really did. Mm-hmm. And not one expert, so-called expert on ESPN last night, even made mention that, you know, his mo- his foot was moving forward. The puck would have crossed the goal line without the aid of his skate having to kick that puck in. You are the official, the officially official on this show. And so what were your thoughts? Because I thought for sure that that goal would be overturned, but no one, no one agreed with me on ESPN. Give us your thoughts. So <clears throat> I, I made, made a point to watch it a few times last night. I watched it this morning. There's one angle in my opinion, where you get a pretty good visual of the puck making contact with his skates. So let's talk about the way the NHL defines kicking the puck. Basically, you are allowed to deflect the puck. You are allowed to turn your skate in a manner to angle the puck to the net, and it's a good goal. If there is a distinct, and I will hit on that word a couple more times, distinct slash clear slash intent is easily judgeable, then it's going to be deemed no goal. The unwritten side of that is, did the player, you know, make a soccer move with it? Did part of their blade come off the ice on a follow-through and things like that? Let's go back. Um, It was one of the games against the Seattle Kraken, Chandler Stevenson, two-on-one situation. His stick is tied up. There's a pass. I think Mark Stone put the puck right in the middle to him. Chandler Stevenson literally turns his foot. It hits the outside of his foot. That's, I guess, important. But the puck hits the outside of his foot as Chandler Stevenson is angling the puck to the net. But he also, the front of his blade goes up and it looks like a kicking motion. Live, I I was at the game live. I'm like, that's not a goal. I watched the replay, you know, four or five times on, uh, on the Nitron before the call was made. I'm like, okay, this is no goal. Let's move on. They call it a goal. Huh? I, I make the, was it the guy from, was it Step Brothers, the, the meme that's out there where he just kind of turns his head and looks all funny. That, that, was, that was me when I saw that, but whatever, fine. So last night, the player for Calgary, the player for Calgary is on his way to the net. He's crashing the net. He's tied up with a defenseman. He's on his way down. <clears throat> the puck hits the instep of his foot, which is a common way to pass a soccer ball. If you're doing soccer practice, you use the instep so you have better, better control over where it's going. His blade doesn't leave the ice, though. His blade never left the ice. I didn't see anything distinctive of a soccer motion. Did he angle the puck to the net? Okay, fine. I will, I'll be on that all day. His foot is moving as it happens, but it's just part of his natural skating at that point. He's 
pretty much I want he's not being tackled by the defenseman, but he's being slowed down. His rhythm is being disrupted. I don't understand how there was enough meat on the bone to overturn that. I just, I watched it a few times. I watched it with my kid this morning and, you know, like right away, both of us are like, why is this not a goal? And it didn't make a lot of sense to me. I get the puck was going to go in anyway, but you can't, at least for this rule, you cannot use that. You can use the puck was going in for other types of rulings and such like that. But in this circumstance, you're not allowed to say, oh, well, the puck's going to go in anyway. So who cares if he kicked it in? That's not how it works, but this is going to be talked about for a long time up in Calgary. They're going to be upset for a while, even though they still got blown out of the series four to one. But I did not see a distinct, I'll stay with that, a distinct kicking motion. I did not see enough evidence to overturn the goal by any means. And I did. And I, I was like, oh, they're going to disallow this. I just thought that, you know, he, uh, he not only like, okay, so it touches his skate, but then he kind of, pushes it in with his skate you know there was a little bit of emotion there I thought and everyone on ESPN all took the other side they said oh it's a goal that's going to stand it's going to count no I was the only one that was right out of all of you guys all of you (laughs) (laughs) and that was a huge momentum killer you know as you mentioned with of course I think a little over five minutes remaining there in regulation and uh, the other one was Ryan Strom but this one was clear-cut Uh, The Rangers, again, this was a big uh, momentum killer for the New York Rangers last night. And Ryan Strom, his goal was disallowed after it was contested by Carolina. And it was a goal that, you know, definitely did not count. We saw that it was blatantly offsides in that game. uh, So the offside penalty stuck. But then uh, the Rangers were deflated after that. That would have been the big boost for the New York Rangers, but that was an easy call. And even the replay uh, showed us as such, but I I just cannot believe I'm flying into New York, right? Flying into JFK. And they, uh, why in the world would they allow Carolina hurricane fans on our flight? Why? (laughs) So going back to that Rangers, uh, no goal, there was something interesting that I did pick up on that, that as a referee, I appreciated to see. So First of all, yes, it was clearly offsides as far as the puck making the entry. I think Cop was the one uh, down low that just couldn't get back quick enough to get on side. Now, after the review, it was a quick review. Like, I was shocked. I was actually in my car getting some dinner last night, and I was listening when it happened. And usually a quick review like that, like, I don't think 30 seconds went by. Usually a quick review, I'm thinking it's going to be a goal. It's going to stand. And, uh you know, your Rangers are going to be up three or two all of a sudden, but no, it was quick enough where they overturned it that fast. But immediately after Gallant called over uh, one of the officials and um, Gallant was explaining something. So the linesman put the headset back on and they continued the review. What they were looking for there was to see who sent the puck back in. Uh, The puck cleared the zone, no doubt about that. Uh, you saw a flame player kind of making a turn after he crossed the puck with the blue line, after he crossed, crossed the blue line with the puck. Uh, a Rangers player goes in for a poke check. The poke check is what sent the puck back in the zone. Now, the way offsides works, it's very simple. If the attacking player gets in before the puck is, is in, carried in by another attacking player, it's offsides. 
if the player who is on the defending side, in this case, the Hurricanes, if a Hurricanes player skates the puck across the blue line and then sends it back over his own blue line, it doesn't matter where the attacking player is at that point. If the defending player carries the puck out of the zone and then sends the puck back in or carries the puck back in for that matter, then offsides is nullified. And I think Gallant got the linesman attention, got the referee's attention. They went back and looked at it again, which I definitely at least appreciated that extra effort because the refs easily could have said, hey, it's been reviewed, it's over. Nope, they took that extra second just to make sure. And as far as uh, Hurricanes fans on the flight, I mean, there was plenty of Ranger fans, uh, you know, that made the trip down south. I know they were talking about it being MSG South in, in Carolina yesterday, and they made their presence known. Their presence was known, but um, Carolina is still perfect at home. They're still not perfect on the road. And I'm not worried about your Rangers, Tony. I am still not worried about them. I uh, took a little more action at over plus 300 odds for the Rangers to win that series. All right, then we'll get into the uh, playoff series when we return right here. You're listening to Locked On Golden Knights. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You could find all the latest odds, the news, and sports developments, including the NHL, the Stanley Cup playoffs, basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball fights. There's boxing here in New York coming up uh, tomorrow night and even next season's NFL futures. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick. And we are bi coastal today, I guess you could say, right? You're back. <laughs> You're back there in Vegas. I'm here in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, the playoffs. Okay, I just want to talk about my Edmonton team. Well, I'm a Rangers fan, obviously, but I told you that Edmonton was the best team in the West. I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to double, triple, quadruple down. Okay, I still say they, I said at the start of the playoffs, right? The best team in the West. And now they'll play the uh, winner of Colorado, St. Louis, that series. But Edmonton, let's talk about them. Uh, the game-winning goal, uh, dry settle with the puck. Johnny Gaudreau cheated on him, right, a little bit. And then he gets the puck to Connor McDavid in the slot for the game-winning goal. Dry settle four consecutive three-point or more games, first in NHL history in the playoffs. Connor McDavid, 10 multi-point games, and he's got an eight-game point streak. Um this, whoever they play, I want to see them play Colorado personally because I just think it'll be a, just a wide open, you know, series like this last one, like the battle for Alberta. But I, I just think it'll be a wide open series if those two teams meet. But now we still have to see the Avalanche getting past a very stubborn St. Louis team. Uh, but your thoughts on Edmonton and the Oilers and just, again, playing fast. Hey, I gave people a little bit of a tip there to take the over the way that they were skating up and down. You should have listened to me. I have listened to you. I've taken uh, Edmonton last four consecutive games to score three, three and a half or more goals. Every wow. one has been at plus odds. And for some, I mean, it, it's a square bet. It, it's a square of a bet as you can possibly make. 
Um, but until they prove me otherwise, I don't care who they're playing, who the goalie is, I'm going to stick with that. Um, yeah, the only uh, pierce I would probably say in Edmonton's armor, uh, a little bit of their defense. Um, <laughs> and, and? It, Mike's, I mean, look at some of the goals Mike Smith gave up last night. <laughs> you know, he's know. had some amazing games, Tony. He right. has taken some major steps. I, they just I, have I to outscore the opponent. I get it. <laughs> um, they just have to outscore their opponent. That's it, Chris. Like, you well, can't, and you can't know, bank on him playing the opponent. Well. <laughs> you know, you mentioned Leon Dreisaitl. And how does Leon Dreisaitl fly below the radar? Let me tell you his last, his last four se- regular seasons. 2018-19, 105 points. 19-20, 110 points. The bubble, or excuse me, not the bubble, but the shortened season. Oh, yeah. The 110 points was in 71 games in 1920. Oh, my God. 2021, 56 games played, 84 points. Uh, 80 games played this season, 110 points. And this guy is somehow flying below the radar because of Connor McDavid. And then now he's even farther below the radar because of Evander Kane and all the attention he gets. So, Talk about having some amazing tools at your disposal. And going back to the defense, um, a big acquisition that they made uh, recently, Duncan Keith, uh, formerly of the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, Duncan Keith, I believe, was a I believe he got the playoff MVP award, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the year that they beat Tampa in the Stanley Cup final. And you know, you got a three-time Stanley Cup champion helping that defense out, that's going to definitely pay huge dividends as they go on to the conference semi or the conference final, looking at a matchup, most likely not hundred percent, but most likely against the Colorado avalanche and that high scoring offense. And Oh my goodness, talk about a treat to, and I hate to look past the blues because that's not the right way to do this, but I'm going to look past the blues anyway, because I would love to see McKinnon and Connor McDavid, Hmm. on the same sheet of ice for four, five, six, or seven games. The skill that would be on display during that time would be remarkable. It will potentially go down as one of the best conference finals in history, I think. It'll be great for hockey. But don't count the Blues out yet. They're still there. And, you know, the chirp about the Avalanche to get out of the second round, well, you know, they still got to get out of the second round. They gave up a huge home lead against the St. Louis Blues, even after McKinnon scores, you know, probably the best goal or, you know, one of the best two or three goals in the 21-22 campaign with his amazing coast-to-coast game-leading goal a couple nights ago. So Colorado's got to figure it out. And if they can't hold on to these huge leads, then if that goes to a game seven, Tony, that's huge for Edmonton either way, because now Edmonton's got some time to rest, which is crazy thinking about they're resting after only five games in the battle for Al- battle of Alberta. Um, so yeah, Edmonton just kind of hanging out right now and watching, enjoying this moment. And, you know, Mike Smith, he's uh, watching some Martin Brodeur goaltending videos. And dry has a bum leg. So hopefully, you know, oh, he yeah. can mend. Yeah. It's really well. slowing him down. <laughs> hopefully he can mend. You know, and and just watching playoff hockey, Chris, you know, one thing that occurred to me that is also perhaps, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, Duncan Keith, right? And and then, you know, his addition and how that's helped that team in Edmonton. And, you know, with the Rangers, for instance, 
the deadline acquisitions have definitely been some missing pieces for this New York Rangers team. Uh, VGK stood pat. Of course, uh, we saw the debacle of a trade there <laughs> with the Donoff, the trade that was and wasn't. But like deadline acquisitions are a major part, a major piece of these teams now filling in the blanks. Even if they're rental players, uh, they can help a team out, you know, with the Rangers, like Frankie Vetrano, seven points. He, I think he has in the playoffs. He stepped it up. Tyler Mott is just like exceptional. Uh, Justin Braun, like, and, and for every team, uh, you know, that is contending now, they have to make some moves to fill in the blanks. VGK, because of all the issues with the salary cap, they couldn't do anything uh, come that trading deadline time. Andrew Cop also for the Rangers. And Cop, I mean, yeah, out. Mr. Cop offside. Get back also. on side. Get back on side, Cop. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about some of the moves that VGK has made. Uh, Mark Stone was literally the 11th hour deadline acquisition. And it's funny. I actually remember exactly where I was when that happened. It was uh, Nevada Reading Week, um, whatever year, the 1819 season, I want to say. Nevada Reading Week. And um, Chance happens to be a friend of mine. I guess you can kind of say it now. Uh, not going to say his name, but uh, I've met him throughout the years at various events. We've connected same hometown connections and stuff like that from back around the Chicagoland area. And I remember whispering over, like, dude, we just got Mark Stone. And Chance is not an expressive person. Like, his face doesn't change. Chance isn't human. Sorry for uh, spoiling that. But he just looked at me and tilted his head. I'm like, ooh, okay. So, yes, Mark Stone, great deadline acquisition. Uh, Alec Martinez was not a deadline acquisition, but still got him uh, earlier on the season to fill the holes. Uh Tomas Tatar, that didn't necessarily work out the way we wanted to, but he did have some games in the playoffs where he made his presence known. And yeah, you have to be able to improve your roster throughout the year and plug those holes. And what would the what was the continuation of Dodonov? I guess that's something that we can discuss in our last few minutes here. You're not trading Dodonov away unless something else is about to happen, right? The team was so injured, or so injured, pardon me, so injured. And Dodonoff was scoring goals at that time. Dodonoff was, in that short three or four games leading up to the trade deadline, he was the only one scoring goals. So if you're trading Dodonoff and freeing up that salary, you're doing it for either another move, which I don't think there's going to be because it was an 11th hour deal, but someone's coming back from injured reserve at that point. That's or, the only reason you're doing that. Yeah, Oh, Riley Smith. Yeah, Riley Smith. The, the extension. That was the big, uh, the big rumor there that was going around mm -hmm. was that they were going to free up some money to offer the extension to Riley Smith. And I think Riley Smith's coming back. Uh, and I, I don't know what they're going to do and how they're going to handle the salary issues there with him. But VGK has no salary cap issues. They have no, none, none. No, it's everything's looking great. We're excited. And uh, our new coach who's not hired yet is going to get this all together. And uh, <laughs> go Knights, go. All righty. And it's not going to be the dinosaur guy. I don't think. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> thanks again for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen every day. And uh, again, we'll be back on Monday. Hopefully, we'll have everything figured out with video. We're a couple of high tech guys. Unlikely. <laughs> now make your second listen Lockdown NHL from the first round or second round matchups now to each Stanley Cup kiss. Lockdown and. 
Maybe it's the third round matchup. So I'm going to have to change the copy here. Two and, and a half. Locked on NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. And that as well is free and available wherever you get your podcast. And Chris, have a great weekend, uh, Memorial Day. And uh, we won't be on the air Monday. We'll be celebrating the holiday with everyone else. Nice. Yeah, I just made that call. It's an audible. I made the audible move and it's raining. It's going to rain back here in Brooklyn and on the coast at the shore for all my buddies. So I might as well just go find I can find them. Even after I don't see my friends for like five or 10 years, I still know exactly where they're at. Like people don't move here. They just stay put. So (laughs) Chris, we'll see you again next week on Tuesday. We'll be back on Tuesday. We thank you all for enjoy the weekend. Please be safe, everyone. And we thank you all for tuning in. Tony Cardasco for my man, Chris Golick. See you again next week right here on Lockdown Golden Knights. Take care.